0: The construction industry is undergoing a huge transformation. Designers and contractors
1: are facing new challenges every day.
2: We are all overloaded with rising material costs, a growing skilled labor gap, increasing project complexities, and countless digital solutions.
0: This podcast focuses on innovation through process analysis, change management, and building a culture of continuous
1: improvement. Together we will learn from industry leaders on how to improve workflows, increase communication, and build the future.
2: Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into this week's episode.
1: Hello everyone. It's Amanda Harbison coming to you from the Nika Innovation Overload Podcast Studio. And I'm joined by Tahir Ali and today's special guest, Josh Sabatino, who is the owner of Paul's Electric. Josh, we're so excited to have you on and talk to you today. To start off, tell us about your background and how you got into this industry.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. So I started out, Paul is actually my dad bought the business when I was six months old. So I've kind of grown up in the industry, helped out around around the shop, growing up in middle school, high school, uh, started going out onto the job sites in high school. When it was time to go to college, my dad said, if you wanna to go to college, go to college. If you wanna stay here and work, stay here and work. He goes, but it's always gonna be here if you wanna come back. So I, I took the option of going to college and uh, ended up getting a business management degree. While I was in college, I was working at the Olive Garden, kind of turned into a management position with them, worked in 10 to 15 different restaurants with them, kind of traveled over the, the Midwest, starting up new restaurants, things like that. Gained a lot of experience on a management standpoint. At one point, it was too many nights and weekends, and my wife and I were talking about starting a family and it just just wouldn't work out that well. So I said, you know, my dad always said if I wanted to come back, I can come back. So. I called him up and I said, you know, I'm thinking about coming back. And if that's okay with you, let me know when it works. And he goes, you can come tomorrow. So I've been back for eight years now. Paul was here for the first five or six years while I was back. Just recently, he left the company. His thought on that was, if I stay around, everybody's always going to think, "Oh, it's Paul's electric." I go, to, I got to go to Paul all the time, and not really giving me the growth that I needed, or, or you know, to kind of step up as the owner and, and um, be the face of the company. Yeah, I, when I came back, I, I worked in the field for quite a while as an apprentice. I had some time that was still counted when I was back in high school, and then the second that I was able to test. For my journeyman's license, dad said, go take it. And I said, but I've never opened a code book. And he goes, I don't care. Go take it, fail it, learn what it's about. So I took it and I failed it miserably. Put my nose in the code book for a while, took it again, passed. And then a year later, I was eligible to take my master's. And that's when I took over.
0: Thank you so much, Josh. That's quite a journey you've taken us on from um, delicious uh, delicious food all the way back to taking over the family business. I'd love to kind of dig in. To this idea of innovation, right? And it's something that we often hear innovation means, you know, one thing or another, it's just a buzzword or, you know, we're overloaded by all of the ways that companies can be innovative or what's expected from them. So what does innovation mean to you and how do you approach it at Paul's Electric?
2: So I guess innovation to me is, and I think back to my days at the Olive Garden, they had a saying, it was always learning, always teaching. Um, That was kind of the philosophy that they live by. Like, you can never grow if you don't realize what your mistakes are. And if you don't have those conversations with with other people that are doing the same things that you are who have. Maybe they've had mistakes or you've you've got an idea for a, a new way of doing something and somebody else has already tried it and you can get some ideas as to why it didn't work for them. Can we tweak it or is it something that we should just scrap and start over with?
1: You mentioned how you went from apprentice to now an owner of a company, right? Tell us about that journey, especially for our listeners who are where possibly you were back then, where their sons or daughters, where they're going to eventually be an owner or the head of a company. What were some lessons learned or challenges that you had and how did you solve them?
2: Well, I think as being the, the owner's kid, you always get that stigma of being the owner's kid and you're just going to slack off and, you know, kind of coast by. And that was the one thing that my dad had always told me was make sure that you're not the owner's kid when you're out on the job site. Make sure that you're always giving 110%. Hopefully, my experience by doing that, a lot of our employees respect me a little bit more because they know that I've been there and I've, I've done the exact same work that they're doing. So when I do bring some new ideas to how we can do things more efficiently, you know, improve some processes via prefab or or whatever we may be doing, they listen a little more and they kind of grasp onto it, and then they're a lot more open to telling me their ideas, because they know that I've been there as well, and they can say, well, what about this? And you know, it's a good maybe roadblock that it might be. So how are we going to get around it? And we we work together as a team to get through those things.
0: That's awesome, Josh. And I think especially one of the things that you hit on the idea of ideas, not just coming from one person, right? Everyone's kind of a part of that. So, so take us through that. How, when, when you guys are approaching new ideas, how do you learn and where do you go to, to get inspired?
2: Well, I think for everyone nowadays, right, the Internet is everywhere. So Google is usually where we start. And um, I read a lot of the uh, like ECM magazine. I get articles from uh, Mike Holt all the time, kind of read through them briefly. You know, I don't spend a whole lot of time, but if something sparks my sparks my interest, I'll do a little deep dive into it. From there, it's it's who can I reach out to? Who's done it before? Who's who's my best resource for this? And typically for us, it's been Nika. We go to our, our contact, Kristen at Nika, and she's always got somebody that's gone down that path or tried it. And she goes, well, here, call this contractor and, and see what you can find out about it. I mean, we've reached out to several different contractors, be it uh, Egan or Hunt, Ericsson Electric got a St. Cloud. I mean, we, we reach out to all of them and just kind of get their feedback on new ideas of the way that we're we're looking to to drive the business in the future. And it's actually turned into some really good relationships for us as well, where they actually call us and go, hey, how did it go? Did it work out? Did it, you know, did it fail? Is it Are we able to do it because we're such a big company and it doesn't work for you as a small company? And, you know, most of the time we do have a little bit more of a roadblock because we are a smaller company, but we're able to work through it by having those those resources with the other companies and the contacts that we have.
1: I think you hit on such an an important point there of you know, Nika is comprised of small, medium, large, you know, everything. And to make sure that, you know, software applications, technology, whatever it is, is scalable to the contractor and the needs that they need. You mentioned about, you know, going to like Egan and other places about how they've implemented innovations. For you, when you did implement these new innovations, how did you handle it as a company? Was there any change management that process that you had to deal with your people and if there were obstacles or challenges how did you handle it
2: being a smaller contractor two years ago we had three employees in the field and then it was basically my mom and i in the office Uh, my dad had left at that point we've now grown i think as of today we have 30 employees in the field and then five of us in the office over those last two years at the beginning of it i was wearing every hat I was the estimator, I was the project manager, I was the foreman, I was, you know, everything. And I would always, you know, someone would come to me on a a job site and they'd say, We need a price for this change order. And my comment was always, okay, I'll get it on my third shift at midnight tonight, you know? And over the years now that we've grown, I've been able to pass those hats off to certain people. We've we've hired an estimator, I've groomed in a, a project manager now. And our biggest innovation that we've had in the last six months is we've, we've brought in a prefab shop. We actually, we contacted Egan on that one and they allowed us to come out and kind of tour their facility and some of their operations. And that was a huge help because in the past, it was always, you hear about prefab all the time, having always been in the field and installing the conduit boxes, um, wire. You get this mindset of this is the only way to do it. There's no way that prefab is going to work by going to tour their facility. We were able to see, okay, this is how it does work. And this is why it's important to implement this. So we brought that back and we, I, I think we toured it on a Thursday I brought three apprentices in on Monday and we cleaned out the entire back of the shop in a week and built our table our prefab tables and kinda got set up and and I, I sat down with the the three of them and I said, Okay, we're we're starting this new process. I said it's new to all of us. Nobody knows anything about it, but we're gonna try and make it work. I had one one of the the guys stepped up immensely and just kind of took the bull by the horns and, and took over as what we call our prefab manager right now. And he's grown like crazy in the last four months, just as a, an individual and as a company asset, he's constantly communicating with the foreman in the field. How can we do this better? Here's some of my ideas. What are your ideas? Anytime I go to a project meeting, he's, can I go with you? I want to see how it's working out. And, and it's kind of cool to see that, you know, over the years, like I said, I, I was wearing all the hats and now I'm able to kind of pass some of that information off to these guys. And, and it's a lot less stress for me. I'm still, you know, overseeing the whole thing, but they're seeing the, the benefit in the, in the forward progress of the company and the innovation that we're trying to bring on board. And it's a cool process.
0: That's amazing. That's such a a great example and especially as as Amanda mentioned we do have such a diversity in the contractor size that that is represented in Nika and so often people will say well I don't have an innovation team I don't have R&D the way you have R&D or the way someone else has it so I can't I can't do that I can't get there. Kind of going through that story Josh you you, you laid such a um you know such a journey of how You've been able to, to learn about Prefab, get into Prefab, and, and really start to scale it. And not just that, but scale your company's culture. Can you maybe share just some examples in that path that you've been down of moments where there may have been hiccups? Or again, for our listeners who are smaller contractors, what sorts of you know advice would you give now looking back, having gone through this process?
2: Our biggest hiccup was obviously the cost to implement it. But it was one of those either we do it and we grow and we get better or we don't do it and we keep doing it. We continue doing things the way that we've always done it. By doing it, we were able to reduce our costs. We've got a better composite rate by having journeymen to two apprentices in the prefab shop, where in the field, that's not always the case. And it gives the apprentices the ability to get their hands on the the tools and the materials in a controlled environment, they're able to grow so that when they do get their license and they do wanna go out into the field or even as an apprentice, if we need help in the field, but they go out there and they understand the material and the tools so much better. The cost was our our biggest roadblock. And then just the ideas, how are we gonna make this work? How can we make it here and make sure that the information is transferred from the shop to the job site? We've gone out, and my, my prefab manager, he's, we bought totes, and we prepackaged room assemblies into these totes, and he's got them labeled perfectly. He's got a blown-up blueprint of each room that he puts inside the totes with each item labeled correctly. As much as it was a challenge for us, I think it was a, it was a small challenge, a small hurdle, and we've, we've kind of grown through that pretty well.
1: Well, hearing about, you know, the investment you've put into your people, you know, having, you know, your apprentice go from, all right, we're starting out and then to hearing how he's grown and like taking on these tasks himself. So tell us a little bit about your company culture in terms of retaining, you know, the best and brightest. What are your core values at Paul's Electric that keep that mentality of you're here, you're going to grow?
2: we've talked about it for a long time to just sit down and come up with what are our core values? Why are we Paul's electric? And why should somebody hire us? You know, we bounce a few ideas here and there and, and then, you know, the workload kind of takes over and we don't necessarily have a set core values, a set of core values, but I think everybody just kind of has this friendly, I want to help mentality we make sure that when, when we come in in the morning, we say, hi, how's it going to everybody um, and try and make it a personal experience. You're not just an employee in a number when you show up to work here. And I think a lot of our employees realize that their, their input and their knowledge, it, it matters to us because when somebody gives me an idea, if it's a week from now or three months from now, they see that that idea kind of grow into fruition. It gives them that that feel good, like I matter and I, I'm, I'm a part of a team and I'm not just somebody who shows up and does my job and goes home. So we, we've really tried to, like, form our culture around that. And and that that takes me back to the the saying that I said earlier, the always teaching, always learning. And nobody knows everything. But as a whole, we might know a lot more. We know a lot of bits and pieces of the pie that that help us become better as a company.
0: I think that's so great. Just you know, again, it's not so much about the words that are painted on the walls; it's about what you're actually living as a company, okay. as a culture. So you're fairly you're fairly new to Nika, right? Paul's Electric is is fairly new within being yeah, you know, a so part of the membership. We became
2: signatory in April of 2019. We're very new yet.
0: Awesome. And right in 2019, right before everything kind of turned on yeah. its head. So what yeah. is that? What has that experience been like for you in terms of how has it changed the way that you approach innovation or approach your business? And, and what are the I guess, what are the benefits that you found um, within being a part of this, this bigger cohort?
2: Joining Nika has opened her eyes to a lot of different things. Number one is the workforce that's available for us. In the past, it would be throw an ad in the paper and see what you get. And you don't always get the best quality. Now we're no, we know that we're getting quality electricians that show up and we're able to scale the business as well. And by being able to scale the business, obviously we need more ideas for innovation. How can we improve? Because it's as much as our our employees are our employees, they're not always going to be our employees you know we're going to have a slow time and we're going to have to let people go but we we keep our core people and we, those people that kind of come and go with us we want to make sure that they understand our culture that when they're when they're here that they're following our guidelines and our our culture and so nika has given us the opportunity to take all of these different classes and that's One thing that I told Kristen when we first signed up, she sent me a list of all the classes for the year. And I looked at it and I'm like, these are some great topics. I said, I hope you have a trophy for somebody who takes all of the classes in the year. She said that she'd have (laughs) it ready for me. I still haven't seen it yet, but but we try and take part in all of those classes just because it's it's something, especially as a smaller contractor, you take like an Egan or a Hunt or a Parsons and, and they can They can contact these people on their own and probably absorb that cost and train 20 or 30 of their employees. We can't necessarily do that. We can't outlay the money for, you know, 10 to $15,000 to get a, a good speaker in to cover a topic that we think is important where Nika provides that for us. So I can take myself and two or three key employees with me to, to, to gain that knowledge. Um, and then in the same breath, Nika has also offered us. The ability to, you know, Kristen has been a r- great resource for us. I call her my um, my financial advisor because she's really good at spending money for me. We get certain ideas that come our way for innovation, how we can do things better. And I'll give her a call and say, who do you got for a resource? And she'll give me a resource. And then usually within a week or two, we are we're making a purchase or something. We've got those connections with those larger contractors now. I think Nika takes the in, the electrical industry and a lot of times, you know, you talk about business and you have competition in business. Well, with Nika, you're more co competition, like you're working together to grow the industry. You know, we've subcontracted three or four different larger contractors who specialize in certain areas like solar or wind, and maybe they have a trencher that does underground a million times better than we could ever do it. Well, we subcontract that stuff out if it makes sense financially. And just having that resource, there's, I mean, there's projects that we bid on now that have solar that we don't even look at because we don't wanna, we're not gonna take the time to do the training on it. Our employees don't necessarily enjoy doing solar, but these other companies have an entire division that just does solar. In the past, we never would have had that resource to go out and reach to these other contractors and say, hey, you want to help us out on this? Nika has really helped us grow in that aspect.
1: I think that's one of the best things about Nika is the networking. And I know you joined in 2019, so you'll now have the opportunity to do a lot of these in-person uh, meetings and even do even more uh, networking. But, you know, earlier you mentioned that you're getting into prefab. What other tech... Do you have that, you know, either is out in the field that's very useful or softwares that you've really come to like?
2: I'm a millennial, I guess, is my technical age category. I'm always looking at the technology piece. Since joining Nika, we've we've actually brought on board a, a lot of technology. We've we've signed up for Procore that we use internally, uh, which helps us manage our drawings and our, our specs, and we can push them to the field in a blink of an eye rather than printing out the paper copy and waiting for it to get done and bound. And then how are we gonna get it to a job site that's an hour and a half away in time for the, the project to start? And then we use another uh, it's actually an app that's called Busy Busy, and that's how we keep track of all of our time. It tracks the the employee's location when they clock in on the foreman's iPad, and then when they clock out. Did you get hurt today? You know, it, it's a it's that's been a great resource for us. And the nice thing with that application is it actually ties right into our payroll software, and so we basically run through it, check all the time over and go, yep, it looks good. Click a button and five minutes later, payroll, payroll is processed. Those have been huge. Those are the ones that we've probably used the most on a day-to-day basis. And then some of the more in-depth technology that we've we've acquired recently is uh, Trimble, which has allowed us to do, we're doing a school right now that in the past we would have done all of our rough in for the classrooms, we would have had to wait for concrete to get poured, steel studs to be up, and then we would have been able to start our process. Well, with having this trimble, we're able to set up on site, and when it's just, a, just dirt, that's it, you know, um, and we can actually pinpoint locations of where each individual outlet and switch is going to be, and everything is done underground before the concrete is even poured, and by doing that, we're able to Keep the schedule on time because we're, we're doing it ahead of the concrete being there. So we're, we're lessening that time between when the steel studs get put up and the sheetrock and finishing goes on. We're also able to take the measurements of how long our wire is going to be, and we kick that back to the prefab shop. And they have them pre-spooled with exactly what color wire they need for each outlet and the exact length. So it shows up on site and boom, 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 in and done. Along with that, the Trimble helps us to do like our site lighting. In the past, we usually had to hire whoever the, the surveyor company was on site and have them stake all of our light poles, you know, so that was an added cost to every project. And now we're able to do it internally. And it takes us about half an hour to put the points into the system and then half an hour on site to lay it out.
0: Josh, what I love is you do such a great job of Telling a story of, you know, this is the technology we use or this is the process we approach. And here's the result, the reason why it made a change. Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you define success or what would be your advice for our listeners when they're looking at new technology or a new process? How do you go about kind of proactively knowing or pinning down what you want to get out of any new exploration? And what would be kind of that, that framework that you would recommend for others?
2: So I think the the biggest thing, especially for a smaller contractor, is is obviously cost, right? And, and our biggest cost is labor at this point. The best way that I've found is, okay, how much time is this new technology or this new tool going to save me? I think back to when we went from, we used to cut all of our conduit with a hacksaw, right? And we were manually hacking away at the conduit and then they came out with the sawzall, and everybody was using a sawzall for a while. Well, then the band, the portable band saws came out and I saw one on a job site that the, the sprinkler guy had. And I said, did that just come out? And he goes, yeah, we just got it a month ago and it's awesome. So I did a little research. How much does it cost, you know? And I, I broke it down and this was when Paul was still kind of making the financial decisions. And I said, we need, we need to get one of these just to try it out and see how it works. And his response was, you know, well, that's like $350. You know, that's not really that great of an investment. And I said, eh, it's $350. But if we have somebody who has a Sawzall, the Sawzall takes 30 seconds to cut the pipe. This thing's going to take 15 seconds to cut the pipe. If we just reduce the, the time that it takes us to, to perform a task. We did the math and we basically had it paid for in a week. I went to him and I said, well, we need to get three more. We should I think everybody should have one. And he goes, well, now you're talking about a thousand dollars. And and I said, yeah, but they're sharing it. I said "And electrician on that end of the building has one bandsaw and this guy over here doesn't have anything. He's got to get down from his ladder, walk all the way across the site, grab the bandsaw, either cut his pipe while he's over by the other person, walk all the way back and install it. Or he's taking that bandsaw away from that person and going back to install it and cut it over there. Now this person has to do the same thing the next time there's a cut. I said, and, and that doesn't include any of the time of all of the people that he's going to stop and talk to on the way there. By having that conversation and kind of doing the backwards math, we had the bandsaw paid for in one day. And and that's kind of how we break it down is, is how much is it going to cost us? How much is it going to save us? And does it make sense? Is it a a one year payback? And obviously, in that instance, a one day payback is kind of a no brainer. That's been our biggest tool, I guess, to try and figure out does this make sense for us? Is it is it the right move? And it's it's worked out for us so far. We've we've made some mistakes, you know, but I think that's just the cost of doing business. And
0: that's awesome, Josh. I think uh, I think there's a lot that large and small contractors can learn from the way that that you and Pauls electric is you know the way you approach innovation is is pretty pretty amazing to to behold so we've talked about family we've talked about culture we've talked about your tech stack and and you know how you dial in success so it, there's a lot of a lot of very really valuable nuggets here but as we kind of get to that point of of wrapping up what would you say is kind of your call to action or that that one piece of advice you'd want to leave our
2: listeners with? You just need to always be looking for that next thing. You might not be the the innovator or the person that brings it to the table, but somebody else has done it and tried. And maybe it worked and maybe it didn't. But if it did work, even if you're a smaller contractor, I think we all have those resources to find out what's out there. And yes, it may be a an investment but that's exactly what it is is an investment and in the future you're going to get a return so i think just always always making sure that you're reading and talking to other contractors and making sure that you're finding out what they're doing differently just to stay competitive
1: i love that constantly learning is always important so thank you so much, Josh, for being on the show with us today. And thank you for your insights. For all of our listeners, feel free to reach us at innovation at with any questions, comments, or suggestions. We look forward to hearing your view of innovation and the challenges ahead.